Is anybody else ready? I've been waiting for you. I know on purpose. I have been waiting for you. First off, I want to give a big thank you to YouVersion um, for allowing me to speak on the Bible app today for your verse of the day coming from Isaiah. Thank you so much for that opportunity. Um, so many people have been tagging us. I saw you. I saw you. Oh, my God. Thank you so much for all of your support, all of your love. I promise you, if you give God your yes, your uncertain yes, your scared yes, give God your yes and watch him blow your mind. I think tonight is going to be just special. Tonight is going to be special. And um, go ahead and take a screenshot, tag us, let us know where you are in the world. Everybody watching, would you let me know in the room where you are from? And if this heart rehab series is blessing your life. But I just have this disclaimer. I want you to know why I'm doing this. The reason I'm doing this heart rehab series is because I want you to be successful. I want for you to be successful on the inside. Success, not the way that culture offers success. But I want us to be people who successfully heal from trauma. That is the success that I'm praying for everybody who is watching this particular series. I want you to be successful on the inside so that I could heal from trauma. Now listen, listen, the only way that we can experience progress is we must embrace the process. If we want to experience progress, we must embrace the process. And I firmly believe everybody who is a Christ follower, everybody who is a follower of the way, you have been given the power by heaven. Access has been granted. You have the power to rebuke devils, to rebuke demons, the schemes and the strategy of the enemy. I believe you have that power. But anytime you pray against something and it's not moving, you pray against something and you rebuke it and it's not moving. Could it be, it is because this is not the devil, this is the process. <laughs> this is not the devil, this is the process. You have been given the power to rebuke a devil and a demon, a witch or a warlock. But you cannot rebuke that which God is using as surgery. You, you cannot rebuke that which God is using to rehabilitate the heart. And a lot of us have not recognized that God has us in a place where he is trying to rehabilitate our hearts because if we do not embrace the rehab, if we do not embrace the surgery, we will never have authentic and organic joy. All we will ever know is fake smiles, fake happiness, fake people. We'll never have fresh oil or fresh anointing. We'll hate what we see in the mirror and we'll complain our way to the grave because a non-rehabilitated a non heart will make us miss out on the life you could have lived. Why are we preaching like this? I haven't even read the foundational text yet. This is like pre-intro. <laughs> a non-rehabilitated heart will make you miss out on the life you could have lived. And I believe the Holy Spirit has caused us to do this series. It is designed to expand what is on the inside of you. That vision on the inside of you, this series is going to expand it. That purpose, that destiny on the inside of you, this series is going to expand it. And you have to be careful because everybody is not going to be happy that you healed. 
Everybody is not going to be happy that you have successfully overcame trauma in the area because that trauma kept us compatible. Some people are only compatible with the unhealed version of you. So they're not going to celebrate when you overcome that because when you heal from that, you distance yourself from me. Not because you're too good for me, but because the only thing we had in common was you being broken. And this is why you should never return to a place that God brought you out of because those were a people or that was a place that was only compatible with the unhealed version of you. The unhealed version of you. This, this is people who only knew you. They only knew you by your dysfunction. They only knew you by your wound. They only knew you by your trauma. But I firmly believe if there's somebody watching this message, you were not created to bleed your whole life. Can I get somebody to put amen in the room? You were not cosmically created by God to bleed for the rest of your life, to constantly be a bottom feeder, to live down there and to crawl. No, the word of God lets me know that he will give us wings like eagles. We were created to soar. We were created to fly. You will run and you will not get weary. You will walk and you will not faint. If there's anybody who believes that, would you put in the room I'll receive it I was not cosmically created to bleed for the rest of my life what we're talking about on tonight I would like to show you four pivotal moments in the biblical icon who goes by the name of Joseph this is one of my favorite Bible characters and we want to highlight four four particular scenarios in the life of Joseph and how we can learn from his Life. I'm sweating and I even read my foundational text. Let's read it. First foundational text, we're going to do a little hopscotch. Genesis 37, verse 5. It says, Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright. While your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. What we can learn right there from Joseph's life, this particular snapshot, this Polaroid picture from the text of Joseph's life is be careful who you tell your dreams to. Be careful who you tell your dreams to. Joseph didn't even recognize he was telling his dream to his betrayers. And this is the crazy thing about betrayal, y'all. The crazy thing about betrayal is it always comes from people that you call bae, boo, bro, sis, fam, mom, pop. It always comes from people who are closest to you. Betrayal, betrayal, the morning breath of toxicity. <laughs> betrayal, the morning breath of toxicity. Because toxic people will stab you in the back. Toxic people will betray you, stab you in the back, but then tell the world they're the ones bleeding. Did y'all hear what I just said? Toxic people will betray you, stab you in the back, and post 
and tell the world they're the ones that are bleeding. This was toxic. Genesis chapter 37, verse 23. Look at this. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the ornamented robe he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. The cistern was empty. There was no water in it. Somebody put in a room that was toxic. That was toxic. We already hate you. You're a dreamer. And so they strip Joseph and they throw him in this empty cistern. Usually when I read this particular text, I would just breeze past the fact that they threw him in an empty cistern. But I saw something. They threw him in an empty cistern and there was no splash because there was no water in it. If there was a splash, it would have softened the fall. But the Bible says there was no water, so they threw him in an empty well. Sometimes the pain is not always in what they took, but the pain is what we hit. Sometimes the pain is not always in what they took, but rather what we hit. Yeah, you left me, and that was messed up, but it's that hit of raising two children on my own. That hits a little different. Yeah, it's the hit of this financial crisis that we are in because of your negligence with our spending. Yeah, it's this hit from divorce that I have to deal with. It's this hit on my sleep that has created insomnia. It's this hit that has caused me to worry. It's the hit. I think sometimes we're so caught up on the fact that his robe was taken. But what about the fact that there was impact due to the fall of him being thrown into an empty cistern that was toxic? Let's keep going. Genesis chapter 37, verse 25. This is all set up. And they sat down to eat their meal, and they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. Well, thank you, Judah. That's so sweet. His brothers agreed. So when the Midianites merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. Can I get somebody put in the room that was toxic? So now we're seeing toxic, toxic event after toxic event after toxic event. Now, Genesis 39, verse 11, this is where we're going to park. Verse 11, one day he went into the house to attend his duties and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him, speaking of Potiphar's wife, she caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. We touched on this in the sex trap. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and that he had ran out of the house, when she saw that she was curved, when she saw that she had been curved, she called her household servants, look this, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. 
And when he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. She kept his cloak beside her, beside her until his master came home. Then she told him this story, that Hebrew slave you brought us came to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. This, this particular episode that we're seeing is toxic, and I like to call it a manipulative narcissist complex. Right here, Potiphar's wife she is infected with the manipulative narcissist complex. It is the disorder of when I cannot get what I want. Here we go. When I cannot get what I want, when I can't control you, I now will try to control how people see you. Because you didn't let me take it, I'm going to now tell people you took it. <laughs> Are y'all seeing this? It is a manipulative narcissist complex. You didn't let me take it. Come have sex with me. So I'm going to tell people you took it. He raped me. And any, anybody who is possessed with this manipulative narcissist complex, these are the type of individuals where they are left alone as a patient, but they think everybody else needs treatment. They think everybody else got the problem. All your relationships keep failing, and you think it's them. Well, they, didn't, they weren't real. Well, they didn't understand me. Could it be that you are toxic, sir? Could it be that you are toxic, ma'am? And once again, we see somebody taking Joseph's clothes. His brothers took his robe. Potiphar's wife took his clothes. What do you do when there is a series of events in your life where people keep taking stuff from you? Is there anybody, it just seems like there is a series of events in my life where I keep on having encounters with takers, taking my robe and taking my peace and taking my joy. And what do you do when they keep on taking and what do you do when you keep on being betrayed? And, and before you say, you know what, this is why I don't talk. This is why I don't do people, Jay. This is why I don't let people up in my business. Please understand, numbing the pain numbing the pain for that moment is only going to make it worse when you finally feel it because because silent tears hold the loudest pain silent tears hold the loudest pain and so now we have people who like to suffer in silence phd in silent tears ged in talking it out but the word of God tells us in James chapter 5, verse 16, confess your faults one to another. But society tells me to conceal. I'm good. I'm straight. Conceal my faults so that I may appear. <laughs> the word of God says confess so that you may be healed. Society, conceal so that you may appear. And what this has done, it has cosmically created a generation where we know how to have big smiles but have broken souls. Big smiles but broken souls. That was toxic. That was unhealthy. And toxicity is causing for us to undergo mental, emotional, and spiritual exhaustion. 
please hear me. Is there anybody watching this message on tonight that is honest and transparent enough to say, I am tired. I am tired of toxicity. I want health. Is there anybody? Don't leave me out here. Hand raise emoji. I am tired of toxicity. Lord, I desire and I want health. I'm tired. I'm tired of giving my heart to heartless people. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of heartless people hardening my heart. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of the enemy wreaking havoc on my mind. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of being tormented by hell with negative thought after negative thoughts and what if scenario after what if scenario. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired of circling the same mountain on the same day and then in the same week and the the, the same month and then the same year. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of being spiritually drained. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. I know I may have a smile on my face, but there is this internal typhoon of emotions on the inside. And if you ask me how I'm doing, if you ask me how I'm doing, I'm good. I'm straight. I'm blessed. Probably favored. <laughs> and I'm a God-fearing Christian. But if you were to tell the truth, there's some internal storms in here. There, there's some internal wars in here, and I'm struggling with healing. So don't preach to me about you're going to get a house, and you're going to get a car, and your breakthrough is on the way. Don't preach to me about that. I just want to sleep, ma'am. I just want to be able to sleep without popping these antidepressants. I just want to be able to sleep without taking Z-Quil all night. I just want peace. That's, I, I want peace. This is why those sugar-coated, hype messages are being exposed during this pandemic because that didn't give me roots. I'm tired of this. Can I get on my soapbox, y'all? I'm tired of just ordinary church. I believe you didn't log on here to just experience a program. We don't want a program. We want an encounter. We, we don't just want service. We want power. God, I want to be in a place where the oil is. I want to be in a place where heaven is. I want to be in a place where I could hear the soundtrack of heaven. God, anoint each message so that it doesn't just bless me on Sunday. It's still blessing me on Monday. And it's still blessing me on Tuesday. And it's still blessing me on Wednesday. And oh, Thursday, I have time for church one more time because I'm in a place where I desire health. I desire health. I'm tired of church as usual. I'm tired of getting DMs and comments and messages. But where are the kingdom men at, though? Where are they at? God, would you raise up your warriors? Would you raise up your priests, your men of God who fight for purity, who fight for marriage, who fight for our sons and fight for our daughters and who war in prayer? God, raise up kingdom men who know how to resist the seductress. Resist the seductress, but then we're tender enough to be our wife's pillow. God, would you raise up kingdom men so that whatever you want to do in the earth, you have a kingdom man, who, you have a kingdom man somewhere who can carry out that agenda. When heaven wants to do something in the Houston region, God, let me be kingdom man enough. So you say, I have a kingdom man there who can carry out my assignments. In Chicago, in Dallas, in Minneapolis, even in United Kingdom, God, let there be men where when heaven wants to do something in the earth, I have a remnant of kingdom men who can help me carry out my agenda. I'm tired of normal 
typical, mundane, boring Christianity. I was called to be a world changer. That, that what I experienced in childhood was toxic. Many of us haven't even recognized we have had a trained appetite for toxicity. A trained appetite for toxicity. And like Joseph, what do you do when there's toxins all around you and it's starting to create wars within you? It took my robe, threw me in an empty cistern, sold me into slavery. She lied on me because I wouldn't give her none. What do I do when toxicity is all around me? And I'm warring to try to make sure that the toxicity doesn't get in me. So God, right now in this moment, would you help us? Help us to desire health. Expose us to the reality, oh God. Many of us have developed trained appetites of toxicity. And we don't even know it. Because that's all we've ever known. Right now, would you purge us? Would you expose? Would you detox so that we could experience health, so that ultimately, God, we could experience all the promises that you have for our life and for our children's life and for our brother's life. In Jesus' name, we pray. And everybody who agrees to that prayer, would you drop in the room, amen. Amen. For part nine of this heart rehab series, I would like to speak around this thought from this subject for just a few moments. That was toxic. That was toxic. It is confession time. You know how I do. I don't even have to give you a disclaimer anymore. Can I get everybody, all caps, can I get you to put this in the room? God, purge my heart and cleanse my spirit. I want health, not toxicity. One more time, all caps, everybody put it in the room. God, purge my heart and cleanse my spirit. I want health, not toxicity. That was toxic. That was toxic. That was toxic. How I was raised was, was toxic. How, how they claimed to love me was, was toxic. The lies that they told me. That, 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 was, that was toxic. That atmosphere, that, that was toxic. That location, that, that was toxic. Those conversations, that, that was toxic. The things that they told me, that, that was toxic. And this part right here, some of us are not going to say amen, but even myself, I have some toxic ways. All right. Even myself, I have some toxic qualities. The way I talk is toxic. Here's a question. Why do you keep talking to you like that? <laughs> Some of us, you are verbally abusive to yourself. So, so stupid. Man, why you do that? Man, that's so dumb. Verbally abusive to yourself. The way, the way I talk is toxic. My attitude is toxic. My, my petty is toxic. My mouth is toxic. My music playlist is toxic. Uh-oh. The things I like are toxic. My food is toxic. It's toxic. It's toxic. It's toxic. And that's why you and I are in heart rehab. Because I need the Holy Spirit 
to cleanse me of any and everything that would serve as a toxin to my assignment and to my destiny. And ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, and everybody who has granted me the privilege to speak to you on tonight, I would be considered reckless as we consider and as we continue this sermonic journey of heart rehab, it would be reckless of me, inappropriate. I would be considered guilty of underserving you and guilty of ministerial malpractice if we did not have this conversation tonight about toxicity. About toxicity. Because many of us, we can't even identify health because we can't identify what is toxic. It is possible that you have been in toxicity so long that you think it's healthy. What is toxicity? This is just a definition I believe the Holy Spirit gave me. Toxicity is anything or anyone that distracts, disrupts your evolution by poisoning the heart with trauma. Did y'all hear what I just said? That is good. What is toxicity? Toxicity is anything or anyone that distracts or disrupts my evolution by poisoning the heart with trauma. And the desired place, the desired place of hell to cause for trauma to enter into our life is in childhood. I dedicated a whole segment of this series talking about it started in childhood because the assault on the world changer the attack on the world changer is to cause there to be trauma in childhood. I want trauma to hit your life in your childhood. In, in your memories, I want your memories to be traumatic. Because if I can cause you to experience trauma in childhood, then trauma could be your personality. And whenever trauma and your personality mate, they always, give a, they always give birth to a baby called toxicity. Did you hear me? Whenever trauma and your personality mate, they always give birth to a baby called toxicity. And this is why we need more biblical teaching like this to expose what is unhealthy from a kingdom perspective and what is healthy from the word of God. And when we do not have heart rehab, we will confuse adjusting as healing. We will confuse adjusting as healing. We'll just adjust to depression. Just adjust to it. We'll just adjust to dysfunction. We'll just adjust to pain. Many of us measure our strength by how much pain we can endure. We just adjust to pain. We just adjust to being heartbroken. Somebody watching this message, you're like, um, I have a question. I have a question. Is there anybody out there, um, I don't know, that doesn't want to break my heart? Just adjust to brokenness. Adjust to lies. Adjust to normal. Adjust to average. We, we, just, we just adjust to it. We, we just adjust to it. And right now, I'm trying to get us to understand that that is not the level that God cosmically created for you to live on. Just adjust to self-hatred. So when I say things like when God created you, he said that you are good and you are his masterpiece, the workmanship of his hands. And I say, love yourself. You'd be like, yeah, but the problem with that is I'm not my type. <laughs> I'm not 
my type. So I, I, I just adjust to toxicity. I just adjust to the social standard of what beauty is. And see, we have to unlearn this. Let me give you Bible. We have to unlearn this. Popular scripture, Proverbs 31, verse 30. It says, charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. That, that's beauty in the kingdom. I'm going to give you more Bible. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. It says, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. That's, that's beauty in the kingdom when you're training yourself to be godly versus training yourself to just look good for the gram. How about train yourself while I look good in the soul? I'm going to give you more Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, it says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples? Of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. That is beauty in the kingdom when you recognize I'm carrying the spirit of the living God on the inside of me. I'm carrying the kingdom of heaven on the inside of me. Jesus died for me, and I am blood-bought. And surely, if I'm worth dying for, then he's worth living for. Beauty. Is in godliness. Now, don't misconstrue what I'm saying. Please exercise, invest in temple care, brush your teeth for the love of God, put on deodorant, get a haircut, slay your hair, ma'am. Do you? That is just being a wise steward over temple care. But let us not get so caught up in what society says is beauty that we don't recognize that true beauty is fleet. True beauty is in godliness, and what the world calls beauty is fleeting. I promise you it's not your skin. I promise you it's not your skin, it's not your hair, it's not your teeth, it's not your eyes that need to be questioned. It's, it's the social expectation of beauty and the monetization of insecurities of humans that needs to be questioned, that society is projecting on us. That was toxic. I don't adjust to culture. I rehabilitate to become kingdom. I rehabilitate to become kingdom. We just adjust. Adjust to being a survivalist. Do you recognize when you live life as a survivalist, even trash becomes an option? <laughs> trash becomes an option because bare minimum feels like royal treatment when all you've ever known is toxicity. When you live life as a survivalist, it keeps you in the basement. Therefore, when you come upstairs, you mistake the first floor for a mansion. I'm here preaching to you tonight to let you know there's more stairs. God has more for your life than this. But many times due to the toxicity, we just adjust to what we see. Now remember, the desire of hell is for trauma to arrive in childhood. I want the trauma to arrive in childhood so that your memories are traumatic. Okay? So, so what the enemy does, what the enemy does, I want you to experience a traumatic childhood. Take a picture of that. Take a picture of what you dealt with in childhood. Yeah. We're going to go ahead. This happened, somebody, in 1980. 
for. You went through something. Now, your, your uncle, he touched you inappropriately down in the basement and said it's tickle time. Yeah, that, that right there, that's going to become a memory. That happened for you in 1992. So you have all of these events that are happening. I want this to plague in your memory. And sometimes it's not clear yet what happened. So I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead. I want to put this on your memory side. Yeah. Yeah, that happened in 1984. And, and the time your uncle molested you and touched you inappropriately, this happened in 1992. Yeah. I want all of these memories, I want these memories to be times where you had intimacy with toxicity. Mm. I, I want all of these things that you've gone through to shape and mold your personality, to shape and mold your perspective, to shape and mold your preferences. I want to haunt your memory so much so to where you have what I like to call a lethal loyalty. It's powerful, y'all. Lethal loyalty. I want you to have parents who have not been rehabilitated. If we put this in theological terms, I want you to have parents that have not been regenerated. I want you to have parents that have not been born again. I don't want them to be born again. See, a lot of us, the first time you experience bullying... And the first time you experienced verbal abuse and the first time you experienced rape was in childhood. Yes, ma'am, we talking tonight. Ooh, we, we talking. This was the first time you ever experienced being cursed out before you ever cursed anybody out. And now you can't stop cursing. It happened in your memories. So now you'll have lethal loyalty. Lethal loyalty. It, it's, it's, it's loyalty to where we stay with unhealthy bonds and we know it's toxic and we know it's not good for us, but we stay in it because I was raised to be loyal to lethal things. And many times it was disguised by this line. That's your family. That's your family. What are you family, we stick together. We blood. That's your family. We don't do family like that. That's your family. Go ahead and give your uncle $50. Quit acting like that. That's your family. Give Uncle Ray Ray $50. Why are you acting stingy? And it's not that you have a problem with giving. It's not that you have a problem with giving. It's just that you know that you're pacifying your uncle because he has a substance abuse issue. And when you give him $50, it's going to assist him to continue the cycle of toxic behavior. But since you have lethal loyalty... You respect your mom because you were a child, and you have to stay in a child's place. You respect your mom. You honor your mom. You'll extend $50 because I have this slavery of lethal loyalty in the name of we family. It's getting real on tonight. I, I, I'm just trying to get us to understand just because we share the same last name, just because we have the same blood running through our veins does not mean we have to share the same storm. <laughs> Lethal loyalty. So what the enemy wants to do, there are four things that he wants to do. He wants introduction, normalization, participation, and captivation. Say it again. What the enemy wants to do, I want there to be an introduction, 
I want there to be normalization. Then I want for there to be participation so that you can experience captivation. So I'm going to introduce you to sex at a young age. I'm going to introduce you to domestic violence at a young age. I'm going to introduce you to unhealthy things at a young age. And then now I'm going to normalize it by giving you friends that were introduced to domestic violence. By giving you a boyfriend that was introduced to domestic violence. By giving you a girlfriend. By giving you a pastor that is abusive with authority. I'm going to introduce you to that and then I'm going to normalize it. All of my friends have the same type of household. All of my friends, we all get high. All of my friends, we all smoke weed. We all curse each other out. When we get mad, we all fight. I'm going to normalize it because then after I normalize it, I'm going to participate in it. This is powerful, y'all. Introduction, normalization, and then participation so that you can experience captivation. So now you'll be in a place, I can't shake what happened in 2007. I can't shake what happened in 1982. I can't shake what happened in 1997 because the introduction became normalization. And now I thought that what happened in 1982 was just normal. That's just what happens in households. That's just the way men talk to women. That's just the way women talk to men. That has become my normal. And I participated in it. And now I want to be free from it. But there's a journey in this heart rehab. After you have memory, you have an encounter. You have an encounter. This is when you have an encounter with the cross. You have an encounter with Jesus. For the first time in your life, something on the inside of you is convicted when you're about to get high. There's something on the inside of you that gets convicted when you don't read the word of God. I know it's just a live stream, but something on the inside of you feel like, don't miss this. Be consistent with your spiritual evolution. What hell wants to do then is, watch this, it's okay, I'm going to take their memory and I want to try to cause them to get stuck in the encounter due to what they encountered. So I'm not going to trust anybody, any pastor, any therapist, anybody that presents health because of what I had in my memories is now affecting my encounter. So sometimes I feel like even though I'm saved, I'm stuck right between what happened in my life in 1982 and 2007. And so that causes me to feel like I'm stuck. I'm stuck. I want to trust people, but what my mama did hurt. I want to trust what you're saying, Jay, but the last church I went to, the bishop was molesting my stepbrother. I don't do church. If I can get you to make sure that your memory bleeds over into your personality, now I really will get stuck in the encounter due to what I encountered. This is powerful, y'all. It is the process of the enemy to keep us from experiencing true encounters and true change. Now look at this. I want you to notice how Jesus defines family. All right? Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12, verse 46. Look at this. 
Um, while Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and his brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, hey, uh, Jesus, um, your mom and your, and your bros outside uh, wanting to speak to you. He replied, who is my mother? Who, who are my brothers? This is cold, y'all. Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and here are my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. I want you to understand some people who aren't even your blood will be more family to you than your blood because y'all are both covered in the same blood. Did y'all hear me? I'm redefining family in the kingdom. This is family. Anybody who does the will of my father, anybody who is seeking out heart rehabilitation, anybody who is seeking out to be a kingdom ambassador, those who carry out the kingdom agenda, Jesus says, these are my mother and my brothers. I just wonder, what did the brothers felt like? They were like, oh, Jesus talking. He going to come out. Yo, tell Jesus we're here. Jesus like, y'all good? <laughs> these are my mothers. These are my brothers. And these are my sisters. And unfortunately, a lot of us have been bound by this line. That's your family. But it's possible for your family to be toxic. For your family to be toxic. And so now, I want you to catch this. What God does is so beautiful. What God does is he understands that you've gone through things. And now you have had an encounter with him. But most of us want to go from the encounter straight to the promise. But it's like, no, we're not going to go straight from the encounter over to the promise. Before you can go to the promise, you have to go to rehab. So what I'm going to do, because I know what happened was messed up, I'm going to take the pain of what happened in your memories, and we're going to put that over in rehab. The way that you talk, the way that you think, yeah, we need to rehabilitate that. Your, your passions, your cravings, we need to rehabilitate that. That introduction to sex that has you promiscuous or that introduction to sex that has it to where you don't want to even have sex with your husband. We need to deal with all of those. I'm going to take you over into rehab because rehab is the place where God deals with your toxicity. Are y'all hearing this? Rehab is the place where God deals with it. He is the Messiah, so he's not scared of mess. He is the Messiah. He's not scared of mess. I, I'm going to deal with all of this, all of this stuff that happened. I understand it was messed up. I understand that you didn't like it, but I'm going to deal with it. I, I'm going to take it, and I'm going to put it right here in heart rehabilitation because there's some things that we have to deal with. There's some things that we have to deal with. And as I'm looking at this text, I saw something so powerful. I saw something so powerful in our foundational text. When Joseph had a dream, I was like, okay, the seasons that Joseph is going through, it seems like they don't match his dream. But you know what a dream is? Many times all a dream is is your coming harvest if you don't faint. So, so what I believe God does is God will go over in your dreams and he'll say, okay, I have a plan for their life. I have a plan for their life. I have a goal for their life. I have a mission for their life. 
I want to be able to them, let me focus this. I want them to be able to see the plans that I have for them. Yeah. Yeah, let me make sure it's in focus. All right. So now I'm going to take that dream, and I want that dream to come over here in your memory. This is so good, y'all. I want that dream to come over here in your memory. I don't know, but I just would think what possibly kept Joseph in prison was the fact that God gave me a dream. And sometimes God will give you something here and put it in your bosom right here because he knows you're going to hit here. And anytime you hit the encounter and anytime you hit rehab, it can cause for you to doubt that this right here is really going to happen. This promise is really going to happen. But if I can get them to see that I gave you a dream to keep you when you're in a place of encounter, to keep you when you're in a place of rehab. See, listen, y'all, listen, please hear me. Many times, this is why God has us in wildernesses because he rehabs in wilderness form. I have to detox you from everything you experienced. I'm not ashamed of your mess. I'm going to deal with him. I'm going to deal with it because now I want your memory to be, remember the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Yeah. I want your memory to be, I want you to know when you have a land where there are wells that you didn't dig and the vineyards that you didn't plant. Remember the Lord your God. What if God wants us to have memories that are filled with the word of God versus memories that are haunting us due to trauma? And a lot of us, get me tea, a lot of us, this is where God has us between rehab and the dream. I'm dealing with everything that happened in 1982, 2007, 1997, and 1992. I'm dealing with it because I'm taking you there. And if there's anything that I want us to take away from this message, remember, toxicity is anything or anyone that disrupts or distracts your evolution by poisoning the heart with trauma. And the reason we are having heart rehab is because, is because God is dealing with the memories. I'm dealing with all of them so they won't affect your personality. Last point, what God wants us to give, a made-up word, but I think you're going to get it. He wants us to have God-formations. Not just confirmations, but God-formations. You're the head and you're not the tail. You're blessed going in and you're blessed going out. I have a purpose for your life. I have a plan for your life to prosper you, to give you a hope, and to give you a future. I want that to be your God formation. So that when the enemy tries to haunt you with memories, you can recognize my memory is not going to hold me back. Because I have an encounter with the cross. And I'm in rehab. And certain dreams are snapshots of my coming harvest if I don't faint. And the promises of God I'll experience if I embrace the rehabilitation. So God, would you, would you allow us to have grace with ourselves? Grace with ourselves due to everything that haunts us in our memories. And help us, Father, to embrace the encounter and recognize that the same spirit that raised you from the dead also lives on the inside of us. And surely if you could raise Jesus from the grave, you could raise us from depression, 
You can raise us from anxiety. You can raise us from fear because that spirit did not come from you. And most importantly, God, give us a heart that is willing to be purged. Search us, oh God, and test us to see if there are any wicked ways in us so that we may experience heart rehab and embrace the dreams and the promises that you have spoke over our life. In Jesus' name we pray.